Now, Roger Goodell, the commissioner at the podium. The Kansas City Chiefs select Patrick Mahomes, the second. Quarterback. Oh. San Diego Chargers select Eli Manning, quarterback, Mississippi. Newsom, even though this is his last draft, he's trying to get ahead of the curve, something he's done throughout his career. Hey, man, get fired up. We're going to make you a Seahawk right here, okay? The Tennessee Titans select A.J. Brown. My family was there. We were all excited. And thank God I got, I got picked here. What is going up, everybody? It is Josh Taylor here with my boy Donovan White from Miami, Ohio. What is going on, Donovan? Listen, I'm just I, I'm I'm happy that there's some some sense of college ball back, right? We've been flooded with NFL playoffs, and for those of us that don't have teams in the race, it's nice to see some kind of a college ball chatter and some NFL draft chatter going on. So I'm excited to be here, excited to to, to be a part of all this, and it, it's gonna be a fun ride. Absolutely, as y'all can see. Uh, the Takeover Sports Network is officially launched, and this is the first episode of the Draft Takeover Podcast. So super excited to get this started, and what better way than to be here at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. And the thing that they always say every year is that the draft starts in Mobile, and it absolutely does. So we have a lot of stuff to catch up on, so we are live right now. We're going to talk some quarterbacks, of course, because that's the big you know chatter that's been going on here at Alabama. And then we're going to talk about the trenches. You know, we have Donovan here who's uh, won a MAC champion as an offensive lineman with Miami, Ohio. Like I said, one of his boys has been balling out this mm -hmm. week, so we have to talk about him as well. But let's talk about these quarterbacks because, you know, we're both Washington fans, so we've been watching for a quarterback for a long time now. Um, but just if you need a quarterback, you know, a lot of people have been down on this draft. But I've been saying all along, like, just because you don't have the Trevor Lawrence's in this class, you know, the Trey Lance, the Zach Wilson, whoever, that doesn't mean that this class is a bad class. Mm -hmm. So I know you have your opinions on it. I have my guys ranks, and I'm going to talk about who, you know, looks good so far here at the Senior Bowl. But who's the one guy that you really think, you know, coming here to Mobile could really help out his draft stock the most? I, I want to say Malik Willis. Uh, you know, he is a guy that obviously went to a smaller school, and you can make the argument for Sam Howell too, right? After a down year last year, um, after a tremendous year in, in twenty twenty. But I, Malik Willis is a guy who has, you could argue, he has the most pure talent of any quarterback and of one of any of the players in the entire draft, right? He's got he's got the legs, he's got a cannon of an arm, which you've seen up close and personal, yeah, and we've absolutely. been hearing reports about. But he's a guy that's just if he can show that. Not necessarily he's perfect quarterback, right? He's not. He doesn't need to be as polished as some other ones like Pickett or Howell, but show that he can learn and adapt right very quickly, which is it's hard to do. You're thrown in with new alignment, new receivers, and and the middle of Alabama, right? It's hard to do. If he can show that, he can boost himself. We talked before the show a little bit of who's going to be the second ranked quarterback. It seems like Kenny Pickett's the first. Who's going to be yeah. the second one? And he's got a chance to ascend. Yeah, I'd say Kenny for sure. Um, he's you know been the guy that everyone's been wanting to talk to, you know, at the podiums and media wise, but. I'm telling you, Malik Willis is right there. And I accidentally met his parents yesterday. I practiced, just happened to sit right in front of them, uh, not knowing that, you know, the parents of the one quarterback I've been watching closely this whole time is right there. Um, and then, of course, I know his uh, quarterback coach that he works with in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Coach Sean McAvoy. Um, he's been doing a phenomenal job with him. I've been spending some time off to the side, you know, really talking to him as well about his game. But as of right now, after day two here at practice, Malik Willis for sure has been the most consistent and most impressive quarterback 
at practice every single day. So, you know, the first day it was sunny. It was gorgeous outside. It was perfect football weather. And then today it's cold, it's windy, and it's been raining nonstop all day. And I didn't really see, a, you know, a drop of, you know, any kind of like his accuracy, you know, his running ability, anything like that, his touches on his balls. He, he looked great today. Um, so let's talk about, you know, Willis just a little bit. You know, we, we see his mobile game. We see the things he did at Liberty. You know, coming from a smaller school like you did, do you think that, you know, being a quarterback at Liberty really hurts him any, or does it really have any kind of effect in his draft stock? I think in a sense it does with, with the court of public opinion, right? And there's always going to be oh, yeah. scouts out there. Always that like, yeah. yeah, there's always scouts. There's always coaches that for whatever reason they have a code. It's like we don't, we don't touch those kind of players or we don't touch small school. But I'll say this. it A lot of times the small school guys – who make it to big stages like the Combine, like the Senior Bowl, like the NFL in general, there's something about them where they're a little less mentally phased than a lot of other people, right? Mainly because, you know, they've got a healthy chip on their shoulder, right? They always have that in their back pocket. If I'm from a smaller school, I want to dominate against these guys, right? And a lot of times they played against the bigger guys and they did well, which is why they're, you know, places like the Senior Bowl or, you know, getting picked in the draft or the Combine, whatever. So they have that mental edge sometimes. And so – you kind of see that, like you mentioned in Malik Willis, you see that in other guys, um, some smaller school guys there. But in general, it's it's only going to hurt him for those you know people that don't want to see his true potential and, and want to work with him a little bit. Yeah, I honestly love the small school guys. You know, there's a couple mm-hmm. guys, Joshua Williams, the really rangy uh, corner that's here, uh, Cole Strange, the offensive lineman who we'll talk about a little bit from Tennessee Chattanooga. But yeah, I think, you know, Malik Willis coming from that small school. And that's something I talked to his quarterback coach about is, you know, he started out at Auburn. Everyone's like, well, how come he couldn't, you know, went out there? How come he had a transfer? Like, how come Joe Burrow couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State? You know, I'd I'd say that worked out just fine for Joe Burrow going to LSU and turning into uh, the best quarterback on one of arguably the best college football teams of all time with that LSU Mm -hmm. national championship team. So I don't fault him for it at all, but just what he did on the field. Um, I got the chance to talk to him today at the radio row and just ask him, like, what have you been working on specifically? You know, not even with Coach Sean, but just here at the senior bowl. What's some stuff they really want you to work with? And he's like, you know, just, you know, taking the ball under center, just working in like a pro style offense. And that's what a lot of guys have been saying here, quarterback wise, because you don't do that much in college football anymore. You know, you're running the RPOs, you're running stuff out of shotgun because you, you get the ball and you have more time to see the field, to hand the ball off. Like I said, with RPO and stuff like that, you're not having to take the ball, go back, go do your whole drop step, you know, fake the handoff, anything like that. Your eyes are forward the whole time. You can read the field. You can read the defense a lot better. It's just easier, you know, sadly to run it that way, but still Hugh Freeze runs a really good, um, you know, methodical offense. I feel like it, it really helps develop your quarterback, you know, with pre-snap communication, you know, I'm sure you know all about that, you know, with, you know, uh, blocking protection and stuff like that, changing things up. If he sees something that he, you know, sees in a linebacker or anything he doesn't like, he'll change it at the line. Um, and then just being able to go through his progressions, not just one, two. He can go one, two, three. He can even go to four, sometimes back to one if he has to and if he has the time to. Um, but he's just been so impressive this week, the way he carries himself, the way he talks. And that's the one thing I've really, you know, come to realize talking to these guys is, you know, you, you talk to someone long enough and you, you get their mindset You that really shows like what kind of person they are. Um, and him and how both have just impressed me a ton just by the way they carry themselves, the way they speak. And same thing with Malik's parents. I mean, his mom's an absolute sweetheart. She's one of the nicest women I've ever met in my life. She's just so down to earth. And, you know, he's, I hate to say it, but like some of these parents, Nick Saban said it last night at the summit, 
are more of like coaches and more of, you know, mm-hmm. they're trying to be their friend and not their parent and push, you know, kids in the wrong way with the transfer portal and all that crazy stuff going on. But I've just really enjoyed getting to hear those two talk, um, you know, the last few days. But I, I see him going through his reads in these practices. He throws a sharp pass. And it, it's crazy because, you know, you get to these practices, you don't have a relationship with any of these guys. These mm-hmm. are all guys you've never, you know, just about never played with before. And you're getting to learn, you know, their catch radius, how quick they can go through their routes, you know, how much separation they can get, what kind of wide receiver they are. You're you're learning this on the fly while you're learning NFL kind of offenses from, you know, the Jets and the Lions that are here representing the NFL. Um, but just how how hard is it for, you know, as you as an offensive lineman coming into a team with a bunch of guys you don't know? everyone's trying to figure everything out. You're learning playbooks, you're learning verbiage, and then you've got a quarterback you've never played with behind you. What's mm-hmm. what's that like? It, you know, I, I think one of the things people uh, don't talk about a lot is it's like what you just mentioned is, is the playbooks and verbiage. Uh, a lot of that, when you get to a certain level, uh, it, it's going to be like a lot of those times those coaches clinics or those summits you see, you don't want to go for the guys that, and for any position that talk like philosophy, because once you get to a certain level, the philosophy is all the same, and you know if you're if you're at that level, you're all winners. It's going to be the same. It's kind of like that with especially with O line with plays. Um, that's why you see them at least be able to somewhat succeed because it was that difficult. They wouldn't. The most difficult part is absolutely the kind of quarterback you play with, right? If you play with some stiff monument, you know, in, in the pot in the pocket as in college, and now you're playing with Malik Willis, that's going to be a different kind of uh, ball game, right? As a as a center. You need you now need to kind of learn the habits of your guard next to you, right? Otherwise, you're gonna get your ankle stepped on every single play. As a tackle, you gotta know, you gotta learn very quickly. Okay, is my guard gonna slide out with me when it's zone protection? You know, it's pass pro. Or are they gonna be there for that gap like my right guard was in college, or are they more of like a one man show? It's tough to figure out. It's tough to get that gel with the other one. Not to say it can't happen, but you'd really do see who shines because a lot of the times you don't have that. You don't have that camaraderie. That, that bond already that you had with your other O-line, regardless of position too, but you see who shines. Yeah, it's funny you said that because when I talked to Malik today, he was like, the one thing I've been working on the most is, you know, taking the snap under center, getting out of there before I get stepped on by one of those guys. He's like, because that's not at all what I want to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And, it, it, you know, like you said, you know, you have all these different quarterbacks. You know, if, if you're on the first team, you had um, Kenny Pickett, then you switch out, you have Desmond Ritter right after that. Um and then, you know, you could have Malik Willis, Sam Howell, uh, Bailey Zappi. I mean, you just – there's so many different kind of quarterbacks here too. It's not like you have the same consistency throughout the, throughout the week. So I, what I like about the Senior Bowl is, you know, you're surrounded by top talent guys that make you up your game while you're learning from, you know, professionals in the NFL – and I've loved watching these coaches talk to these players who I don't know who he is, but whoever the Jets uh, defensive line coach is, he's one of my favorite guys that I've ever you know seen coach because he is intense every single play and just pushing those guys. He's like, go get your money on this play. Like, and then the whole D line's like behind him getting hype and stuff. Um, so we'll talk about some trench guys after this, but I'll have to say the one quarterback who's kind of disappointed me and he looked better today. Not that he was like flashy or anything like that was Desmond Ritter. Um, and one thing that surprised me, if you watch him on TV, like, would you agree that he looks like he's like six, three, six, four, like maybe like a, not as tall as like a Connor Kaepernick, but maybe like same kind of build, right? Mm-hmm. He looks like taller, a little, little wiry, but not like skinny. You know, he's got some muscle yeah. on him. Well, he, he's pretty small actually. <laughs> he's like, I think he's like right at six foot and he's like pretty tiny. Like he doesn't have a big frame at all. So that was the one thing that like right away, 
Uh, I was like, wow, like he's much smaller than I thought he was. Like on TV, he looks massive. Like I expected this long, lengthy, athletic guy. But, you know, he showed his feet, um, especially today. You know, he had some run plays where he looked really good. But the first day, his accuracy, which has been the biggest knock on him, just missing. And there was a couple of times where they had, you know, uh, running backs running these wheel routes to the left sideline. And he overthrew like every single one. It was like three in a row. And I was like, man, I was like, all right, like. The, the accuracy, you know, concerns are definitely showing there for uh, Ritter for me. And like I told you, like sometimes, you know, he'd be hitting the dirt. He'd be overthrowing mm-hmm. guys. It was just off. He looked a lot better today, but still, I'd say out of everyone here, he's been the guy that I've, you know, can't, like come away from this so far. Be like, uh, I'm not I'm not that high on him. And I really wasn't to begin with. So it's not like it's really hurting him on my list or anything like that. But man, Carson Strong. That his last name says it all like the zip that dude puts behind his passes is unreal. And I don't know if you've been able to watch most of, you know, any of his games this season, but how do you feel about Carson strong? You know, he's not the mobile guy. He's your pocket uh, passer kind of guy. Who's just going to launch down the field mm-hmm. kind of like Mac Jones was last year. I mean, I think they're a little bit different, but they have a lot of similarities. What's your, what's your thoughts on uh, Carson Strong's game? I was literally about to say, so it seems this year, especially, I know a lot of people, like you said, aren't too high in this class. I don't think it's like a 2013 kind of bad class, right? Oh, that's, God, no. yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> that'll that never bad. happen again. Hopefully, <laughs> no. There's just no superstar in there. It, it seems though, with all the quarterbacks in this class, it seems as though they fit the current NFL mold, right? Especially and even last year, Trevor Lawrence was mobile, Justin Fields was mobile, but this year, Matt Corral, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, Malik Willis, even Desmond Ritter is is pretty. They're pretty mobile, yeah. right? They're not all running quarterbacks, but they're mobile. And Carson Strong is the one that's not. And who was the one last year that was? And it's Mac Jones. And who is probably doing the best in the NFL right now? Who had the best season? Yeah, probably Probably Mac Mac Jones. Jones. You're probably Mac Jones, right? And he was Mac Jones. And he was what I read. (laughs) I read reports. It was, and listen, I was sitting there as a Washington fan in my apartment last, last spring, just screaming the TV, don't draft him, don't draft him. I didn't want him, right? And I still think we would have ruined him if we draft him. But he's turned out that, you know, the style of the NFL with quarterbacks has changed obviously, but that doesn't mean it's over. It doesn't mean it's dead in that in that non-mobile quarterbacks who are smart, accurate, and sometimes with cannons of arms like Carson Strong can't succeed. I he could be a second rounder and he could be he could if he can stay healthy. That his injury concerns are probably what's gonna scare away a lot of teams. Now I will say uh I talked to Chrissy Ford today who's with the draft network. She's like she's my quarterback whisperer. Like she is phenomenal. I love her articles. She started before the season and there's guys like I was high on Carson Strong going into the season. Of course, Grayson McCall, my guy out of Coastal Carolina, mm-hmm. she loves Grayson McCall too. So I, like most everything she says, I agree with. Um, and I talked to her day, today about Carson Strong because I know they have like a good relationship. You know, they talk a lot. Um, she knows his quarterback coach. And she's like, his leg's fine. Like there's no concerns. It's been checked out multiple times. There's there's no medical records for the senior bowl. Like obviously they don't put that out there because this is a place where they want to, you know, help your draft stock. They're not gonna be like, oh yeah, by the way, so and so's got a you know terrible knee. <laughs> like that's not what they do here. But she's like, Yeah, everything, you know, he's gone through all of like the rehab and everything's fine. Like the doctors have looked at it. Like there's not a- any concern, honestly. And I feel like the the few times I've heard him talk, you know, after practice and even this morning. He said, like when he when he meets with teams, that's one of the, obviously the big things that they talk about. He said he's talked to every single team so far, all thirty two teams, and one of the first things he asked about is his knee. And he's like, "Hey guys, it's fine. 
And I got to tell you, like him out there, he looks really good. I think he looks better in the pocket than Mac Jones does. There's been a lot of times when, because this D-line is insane. The edge rushers in this class is bonkers, by the way. Shouldn't even be allowed. There's a lot of times where guys are coming at him from, you know, his his blind side or his other side or coming straight from him. And he's really good at just moving and manipulating the pocket and just having a good pocket awareness and where he needs to go. That's the one thing that really impressed me. Like I saw him step up multiple times and he doesn't freak out and, you know, lower his you know, eyes and, you know, see where he needs to go. He just feels it. He steps up. He'll, you know, take three or four steps forward and just throw it on the run or he'll plant his feet and do what he needs to do. He's looked really good on the run, like outside the pocket. They do um, some, you know, boots in, in practice but on like seven on sevens and stuff like that. I'm telling you, if, if a team like Pittsburgh gets uh, yep. Carson Strong, the league will be on notice. I promise you, like – not just because they had Big Ben, but I feel like he would succeed in that style. Now, I will say Mike Tomlin yesterday grabbed Malik Willis, like ran across the field, grabbed Malik Willis, and he said that Mike Tomlin talked to him for about 30 minutes yesterday with his parents. So mm. I think they're super high on Malik Willis. But if not, I've been saying I think Kenny Pickett is a really good place that could go to Pittsburgh. They share a lot of facilities with University of uh, Pittsburgh and, and the Steelers do. So they know Kenny Pickett. And once again, I feel like he really fits what they want to do. But if if not, if they, you know, decide to go quarterback, maybe in that second round where I think Carson Strong ultimately will end up, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he, like, you know, snuck it to the late first, you know, mm-hmm. based off of if, if things go well, because he's looked really good this week. I'm telling you, if a team like Pittsburgh gets Carson Strong, or even Atlanta gets a guy like Armstrong. It's it's going to be a mess. Like I I'd be I'd be uh you know pretty afraid if I'm Baltimore uh, Bengals they're you know in the Super Bowl they don't really care <laughs> or Cleveland because that dude can straight launch a ball. Mm-hmm. I've I've very rarely in person seen a quarterback throw a ball with ease with that much zip to it. Like even with Malik Willis as good as he's looked. Carson Strong's passes have intent every single time. That's a tight window throw. It's get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, he's impressed the heck out of me. Um, you know, Bailey Zap breaking every single record ever exists pretty much for quarterbacks is looking phenomenal this week as well. But if there's one quarterback that you're still kind of, if you know, that you're, you know, even not even just for Washington, but you know, if you're just not too high on a guy to lead your team in the future, who would it be in this class? It's tough. I mean, it, there's something about, I, I, I like this quarterback draft class more than others, right? I, I really do. Oh, yeah. I think I think there I think there is going to be more guys taken in the first round than people think. Um, I don't. I honestly don't see a way where a quarterback falls out of the top ten. It just seems too strange. You have to, that. People you have are saying four. that Pickett's going to be the first quarterback, but not until like fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, there's, there's no, no way. Like how people say that every year, and then Pickett's going to go like five or six. Like some crazy stuff's going to happen. And he's the one, and I still think he's the best quarterback in the draft. He's the one that I still have some questions about, right? He had an insane a Heisman finalist year, right, this past season, where he was smooth, he was efficient, he was mobile, right? He was doing the fake slide. They banned it after that, right? He was. He, he changed was the rules of football. Oh, yeah. Had they not lost to uh, Western Michigan, I think it was week one or week two, they you, – I mean, you could have made a strong – they finished with two losses, right, in regular season? You, Pitt yeah. did yeah, you could have made a strong argument that they were in the running, that they could have been in the running for like a top eight or a New Year's Six Bowl, right? He is a guy that it took him years to get to the point where he was at. And I get it. Like sometimes you just have to figure it out and it, it takes some time. 
But man, in those three years, like that's the thing. Sam Howell, he had three years, two, three years consistent, where consistent, just consistent. Even as bad, even as bad year last year, this is a good, pretty damn yeah. good year. But twenty twenty was insane. Ken, his Sam Howell's twenty twenty was Kenny Pickett's twenty twenty one, right? Yeah. And he took Kenny Pickett three, four years to get to the point, and his hand size, right? I, I don't like talking. I don't like doing that, like the nitpicky stuff. But if there's anything, you know, people talk about offensive linemen's arm length a lot, and like that doesn't mean anything, but. The, the one thing with quarterbacks would be their hand size probably and how long it took them to develop. That, look at Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins had one good year, right? One good year. If he was that good every single year, JT Barrett for Ohio State couldn't throw the ball to save his life. Dwayne Haskins would have started. I don't care much yeah. if he really was. He would have started, right? It's stuff like that. I I still think he's the best. And honestly, as a Washington fan, I, I hope they go for it, but who knows? Yeah, I, f- I feel like that's the safer like start right away pick. Just because mm-hmm. he is so experienced, like I love experienced guys. I, that's I was really high on Herbert just because of how much experience yeah. he really had. I've always said like you can't just you know make up reps. You can't just you know invent reps. Like you, yeah. the only way you can get reps is by playing. Um, and Kenny Pickett's been playing for a long time. Um, I, I I told you before we started recording the one thing with Pickett is he fumbled under center at least mm-hmm. once yesterday, maybe twice yesterday, but then today in the rain he fumbled like twice again under center. I don't know what that means. It might be because it's wet. It might be because of the, the hand size, but he was still wearing the one glove. Um, and Malik, by the way, said he would never wear one glove. He's like, no, hmm. he's like, I've got to feel the ball like completely with my hands when I throw it. He was like, I would never wear a glove, but Malik also has big hands. Hmm. Um, but Sam Howe, I got to talk about him because he's my favorite. He's probably my draft crush. Hate to say it. Um, took a picture with him today. You know, fangirling a little bit just because that's my dude. Like, I just, I like the more I hear this guy talk just as a human being, like, he just gets it. And, um, you know, obviously I did the, the write up on them and just, like you said, diving into how different of a season 2020 was for him to 2021, you know, losing, uh, Michael Carter, Javante Williams, Deami Brown, Daz Newsom, 72% of his receiving production went to the league. Josh Downs, who was his third wide receiver, who had just a couple hundred yards, like 300, maybe 400 yards in 2020 became the fourth ACC wide receiver ever to have over a hundred catches in a season. It's only been, it's only happened three other times ever before Sam Howell started throwing the rock to Josh Downs and Josh Downs is going to be a phenomenal wide receiver. Like I can't wait to watch his tapes for next year. But the one thing that, you know, I asked Sam Howell was like, what did you really take away from, you know, 2020 to 2021? Like it's, it's completely different. Like you come in, Ty Chandler is your running back. You played at Tennessee, your offensive lines moved a little bit not that consistent. Like I said, Josh Downs is there. And he was like, you know, it took a little while for the young guys to get caught up to speed. And I took that personal. Like, I, I feel like I had to, you know, do a, do a lot and get these guys ready. And, you know, as a quarterback, you absolutely do. Um, but he said that sometimes he just got away from his game. He, he mm-hmm. did things that he maybe not even shouldn't have done, but just not used to doing just because he felt like it was better for the team. Like he said, he didn't mean to use his legs more this year and show off his running game. But he did. He said it just started happening earlier in the season and it started working. And that's just something that I would, you know, throw in there if if I needed it to. It's not like – and they run some, you know, design run plays for him and stuff like that, like draws, counters, and whatever in the red zone. But he's like, it's just – it's just what I needed to do as the quarterback for this offense this year. And that that's something I respected that he came out and said like, Hey, I got away from myself. Sometimes I didn't stick to my guns this year. 
And I don't really blame him because the the offense didn't, you know, look as good as he wanted to outside of Josh Downs. He had nothing really going on receiving wise. Um, but I just I, I appreciated how honest he was. And, you know, people ask him about the Baker Mayfield comps. Like, what do you think about that? He's like, dude, I appreciate people saying that, you know, they caught me to Baker Mayfield. He's like, I think he's a baller. Like people might be hating on him, but I think he's a phenomenal quarterback and like being mentioned as, you know, that kind of style quarterback. He's like, that's fine with me. I'll take that all day long. Put me in the league. Uh, as a starting quarterback for whoever. And he's like, I would run with that. So, um, and he was like, size doesn't matter to me. Like you either can play or you can't. Like you said, you know, people talk about arm length, stuff like that. People have been talking about his size, but he looks big to me. Like he looks like mm-hmm. a tank. Like I would not want Sam Howell running full speed at me to just lower his shoulders mm-hmm. at me at all. So, um, but enough of the quarterback talks. Like I said, I, I'm going to keep an eye on this. You know, obviously the game Saturday is going to be, um big because it's just more live action you see a lot of seven on sevens and stuff like that but it's just the action of the game you know third and long you know situational football so that's something i'm looking forward to and i will keep uh everyone updated on the quarterbacks on that let's talk about the big guys the guys Mm -hmm. with their bellies hanging out your favorite guys in the trenches let's start with the offensive line um and you know i said this d-line and edge class has been phenomenal but this offensive line has a lot of stars in it too i know you had a lot of guys on your your list that you were um kind of you know keeping an eye on reading and stuff who's some of the guys that you were super high on to uh, keep a good look on zion johnson from boston college was a guy i was high on i mean back in september when we were in august when we were previewing ac teams right yeah boston college's o-line i thought was one of the best in the country but he's a versatile guy he played tackle he played guard i heard he was staying after practice was yesterday or Today, both, maybe in snapping the ball both days. Yeah. Center, yeah. He's a guy who I think he started uh, FCS Davidson, transferred up to the ACC, right? And has been, uh, he's just been consistent. He's been trustworthy, but he's athletic. He's big, right? And he's versatile. That's what you need in the NFL today. If you can't, if you're not a lockdown, you know, tackle or you're not a dominant guard, right? Or you're not a dominant center, you got to have a little bit of versatility. You got to be able to play left and right guard. You got to be able, probably have to be able to play center unless you're like a, Six six guard, six five guard, yeah. Brandon Sheriff, Eric Flowers, guys like that. Um, he's a guy that's impressed. Uh, Abraham Lucas from Washington State. He he's a guy. So. I, I know he was the guy we we talked about a lot. We we mentioned him with with other tackles coming in the season, and and for whatever reason, I saw his PFF grade. I think it was second in the in the country for all tackles and pass blocking. I didn't hear his name a lot in in the season. I thought he'd fall off, and then I watched some clips today. Read some Look stuff. That. He's been balling this whole time, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he he's a taller tackle. He's athletic. Uh, he's a guy I'm really interested in too. Um, Ed Ingram from LSU. I mean, dude, dude is a tank, right? Was a, he's giant. He was just so up and down this past year. Um, he, at times, he looked like he was a first round guard, just mauling people, throwing him out the club. Right. And then other times it looked like, yeah, okay. Kind of looked like late, late round pick, maybe undraftable. Right. So he's got to get consistent. And that's what this time is for be consistent against top competition. Yeah. I mean, in Zion, he's probably been one of the more impressive guys here both days. Um, And like you said, like they've been moving him around a lot and Mm -hmm. he appreciates that. Like you said, like not even in reps you know, with one-on-ones and stuff like that. But after practice, he's staying and he's taking snaps um, and he's hiking the ball, you know, shotgun, he's handing it off. Like he's practicing, you know, because like you said, that's what that's what scouts are looking for. That's what NFL teams are looking for. If I know if our center goes down, but I've got this stud guard here and I've got depth at guard, I can move you to center and not miss a step and we can still win games with you at center, then absolutely I'm going to, you know, raise you up higher than a guy who 
man, I hate to say it, like a guy like, you know, Evan Neal, someone who hasn't really mm-hmm. ever taken any snaps at center, stuff like that. Obviously, Evan Neal is going to be the first offensive lineman taken in the draft, but still, it just, it, it helps you out. It could move you up a couple spots. You just mm-hmm. never know. Um, a couple of guys that I have been watching that I've enjoyed, um, first off was Trevor Penning out of mm-hmm. Northern Iowa. I don't know what it is about that college, but they're pumping out like monsters at offensive line. He's been right up there with Zion uh, as the top offensive line so far in these first few practices. I mean, like I said, these edge rushers are coming at you full speed. You've got uh, Majai Sanders one play, and then you got Kingsley from South Carolina the next play right after, and you're like, good Lord. Like, <laughs> it, it never stops. But I haven't seen Penning lose many reps, you know, one-on-one or even in-game much at all this week. Um, and we got to give a shout out to some of these small school guys. So Cole Strains from Tennessee Chattanooga, like you said, he's, he's one of those guys who is guard, who's a little bit smaller that he's probably going to settle down more. into like a center role. He mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of a Hennessy from uh, Atlanta Falcons, their center. Yeah. Um, but I, I told you one of my favorite reps from today, it's pouring down, right? I mean, it's, miserably raining the wind is blowing you've got big old line uh logan hall from uh houston at d-line and he's lined up with cole and they go at it first time logan hall wins the rep he's like you know flexing on him. he's hype up you know all the d-linemen if they win a rep of course that you know they start freaking out and hyping mm-hmm. their guy up next time cole strange grabs him moves him around throws him on the ground a little bit gets up in his face gives him a little extra push and then logan's going back to the back of the line because he's done because you get two reps and Cole Strange steps up. He pumps his chest. He's like, you know, yelling, saying some words I can't say. And then the D line are like, whoa, 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 like run it back, run it back. Everyone's getting hyped. Like those are my favorite reps. And of course, Logan Hall wins that one because he's a beast. Um, <laughs> but still like those are the ones that get me hype. So I want to talk to you about these drills with these offensive linemen because we, before we started recording, we, we kind of compared it to one-on-ones with wide receivers and DBs. Mm-hmm. It is a very favored wide receiver drill because the DB, it's just man-on-man. You're just on an island with the wide receiver. You have the whole field. You have no help behind you. And the wide receiver just has free roam wherever he wants to do, do whatever he wants. And you just have to pretty much guess what he's doing based off of his motions, you know, his steps, his eyes, stuff like that. And you just got to try to keep up. So that was my question for you is, you know, you see these drills. Is it more of a defensive line favored drill to where, you know, as an offensive lineman, you don't have help next to you. You can't, you know, hand a guy off or like move a guy over to, you know, where you know your guard or even your center or your tackle if you're going the other way can really help you out and not have that advantage where you can just go around you and get straight to the quarterback. It's completely defense line drill. And don't get me wrong. There are a couple this benefits. Unbiased, by the way, he's being yeah. honest, right? I, I, listen, it's, a, it's a totally, <laughs> I totally unbiased, right? It's a defensive line drill, right? They know it's passed, right? They can stand up, especially at their edge. They can stand up, they can move inside, they can beat you inside because there's no inside help. Uh, there's a couple. I mean, honestly, there's a couple benefits as an O line, right? When you're in game or in practice, uh, any good O line coach will tell you if your stance looks different, that much different on first and second down versus pass and run right? You're not helping your team. So as an O-line, everyone knows it's passed because it's one-on-one drill. So you can adjust your stance, you know, your set, however you want. You don't have to hide anything. That's about the only benefit you get. One-on-ones though, they tell you two things. You, you can always look for two things as a sign of a good lineman in one-on-ones. The, because you don't have any help. Everyone knows what it is. You've got no inside help. You've got no running back help, nothing, right? It's no zone. There's nothing like that. The first is you can tell how good an alignment is by their technique in this, right? 
even if they lose, even if they get beat inside, how quickly do they slam their post foot and try to redirect back inside, right? If they're getting beat around the edge, okay, what do they do with that backside hand? Their right tackle, what are they doing with their left side hand? Are they pushing the shoulder or are they just letting them drop? What do their strikes look like against a guy that's got fast hands, right? The other is how athletic are they, right? Because even if their technique is not where it needs to be, if they're a freak athlete, you can still succeed in one-on-ones. You can still see it, right? If they get beat inside and they don't slam their post foot and stay square like some of those better technique guys do, but you know they do some Trent Williams crazy stuff or some Tyron Smith crazy stuff. They just build different. Yeah. And they're, exactly. It's like Trent Williams. Trent Williams, I think for a long time it took him to get to elite technique level, but his athleticism was so freakish and insane it made up for it. Those are the two things. If you're watching one-on-ones, if you're watching – you know, uh, things like that, kind of the, the three-man drills you see a lot of times with the line where they will work the center guard tackle against, you know, defensive tackle and, and edge, whatever they're doing. If you look to see how their technique is in, in wins and losses, right, how quickly they snap it on and their athleticism. If someone doesn't have that in one-on-ones, usually it's because they're too young, right, and it's early in college, right, or they're not ready for any meaningful NFL action. The two guys exceeded the most in the NFL – are the ones with great technique and great athleticism. Now, you can be a super powerful guy. It doesn't really matter. If you don't have great technique or – I'll say if you got a lot of strength, you're just pushing a guy around. Yeah, <laughs> There's not much meaning to it. Um, and uh, two other guys that I really you know took notice on the offensive line this week that I was hype on was uh, Daniel Falele out of uh, Minnesota. Obviously, they've always had a good running game, uh, good offensive line. That dude, just as soon as he weighed in, everyone's like, yeah, this guy's going to be a beast. He is massive. Um, and then uh, outside of him, Darian Kennard from Kentucky, mm-hmm. huge dude. That dude is just built like an offensive lineman. Like if, if I'm going to build my stereotypical offensive lineman, it's Kennard. He's got the knee braces. He's mm-hmm. got, you know, just stuff all over him. He's got towels hanging from his waist. Mm-hmm. Like he's just ready to get dirty at all times. So I love watching him uh, practice, but we got to talk about the guys that you hate. And that's the defensive line. The mm-hmm. guys who want to get to your quarterback, take him down. And, oh, my goodness, there is a ton of them. But my favorite is Jai Sanders from Cincinnati. And I've been huge on this guy all season long. He's been one of my favorites, even though he went against Alabama. He showed against Alabama. They were bringing uh, him and Beavers were blitzing on the same side. Like, they were kind of loading one side pretty heavy that game. But he is so fast and he is so bendy. And he has such great get-off at the line. I love his stance. I told someone today, like, he literally looks like a black leopard just ready to like pounce on somebody and just get to the quarterback and take him down because he gets so low in his stance but then he's so quick to get up and and be able to bend and create all these like spaces on the offensive line and he's so fast like the offensive line is like oh shoot like this is happening now i'm like holy smokes and i i get it he's not the biggest guy so i think he's going to be a great edge guy at the next level i'm excited to see what he does this rest of this week like i said i'll you know, I got my quarterbacks and I'm watching. I'm just hoping they stay safe this week yeah. against these guys. Um, somebody else that you know personally that I've got to talk about, mm-hmm. Dominique Robinson, who has balled out these first two days. Yesterday, like everyone, I mean, everyone saw, like everyone, like whatever there's a good play, it happens like, you know, three or four times a, uh, a practice. Everyone's just like, oh my gosh. Like everyone's like yelling and getting hype. He did that twice yesterday. He mm-hmm. had back-to-back sacks on Kenny Pickett yesterday. He bent a guy like Daniel Filelli from Minnesota, who I just talked about how I've been so high on him. Tell me a little bit about Dominic because he has such an interesting story. You played against him. You've had reps up against him. I'm sure that didn't go too well. Uh, no offense because this guy, he looks like a beast. So just 
tell us a little bit about Dominic and the, the background of where he's really come from. The thing with Dom, so I was a class of 2016 with high school. So I came my first season was that fall of 2016. He was class of 2017, but he early enrolled, right? He early enrolled as a quarterback, right? And he's like a true 6'6". He is tall. He enrolled as a quarterback. He played for uh, Maslin. Dom, if I butcher that, I think it's Maslin. And there's a few different ones, I think. Um, so he was a big-time quarterback in high school. Came in, right, was a freak. Played quarterback for like a minute and then went to wide receiver. And he was a good wide receiver learning the route trees, wow. right? It, his his catch radius was nuts, right? He was and he's fast oh, too. He didn't imagine. he didn't look it like when you saw him, but then when you saw how much ground he covered, you're like, oh geez, he's fast. And then it was after our 2019 season, going into 2020, that winter spring, he's officially switched. You know, he saw him start to work a little bit, like in um uh, in uh, like the bowl season practice, right? He was playing D line. I'll never forget the first like three reps against him. I remember coming off. I told my other line. I said. Dom's not afraid to hit. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. And like, well, he just played quarterback and receiver. I'm like, listen, like he doesn't know what he's doing yet, but he is not afraid to crack you. And not like, you see, it's like kids sometimes they just drop their heads and they'll, and they'll hit. It's not like he didn't. It's like he knew what he had to do. Like he had used his hands a little bit. Which After that, he, he had three practices in the spring before COVID and then uh, three games in 2020 um, for the season. And then this past season was his full season at D-line. He's quick. He's on the ESPN freaks list. Uh, he's a true 6'6", six, six, like 255, 260. With weight to add. <laughs> he could add another 10 pounds and still be as fast. Yeah. And he's strong. I mean, he's one of the guys in the weight room that's that's cleaning like 315, right? He, he's benching like 335. And it, it's he he looks like he could, but he, he's he's leaner than a lot of other D-linemen. So a lot of times there's a, the, the lean to it. You don't get as much. He's strong, dude. He's a freak, uh, and he's putting himself in a position to be invited to the combine, drafted, right, and and potentially make a roster. Yeah, I mean, what impressed me so much is how fast he was. Like as a D line, like you want to bend, you know, the offensive lineman back. I mean, mm-hmm. Falele was like he was about his butt was about to hit the ground. Like he was barely hanging on. You know, he that that last string was just there holding mm-hmm. him, and he just threw him to the side real quick. And like I said, if it was an actual game, he would have killed Kenny Pickett on back-to-back plays. Like, just his arm length, which is insane, by the way, mm-hmm. just got so much push on the offensive lineman every single time. I was like, I was like, dude, I need to figure out how this guy is because Donovan told me, like, he's got some guys coming down here. Even Weatherford linebackers mm-hmm. looked phenomenal the last two days. Yeah, but I was like, dude, this guy, Dominic Robinson, and the Miami fan base is, is huge, as I learned on Twitter Boy, yesterday. Well. <laughs> but, um... And then he told me he hasn't even been playing that long. I'm like, this guy get even better. Like, he's he's working with NFL like D line coaches now. He hasn't even been doing this long. It's been like under a year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been. I mean, he got three games. You got you got to think. He had we. You're supposed to have 15 practices in spring, right? COVID shut that down. We had three practices, maybe maybe four. That's we had bonkers. three games, right? Where he wasn't even the starter. He wasn't even the starter in 2020. And then last year they played Minnesota. Last year they kept it was like a four point game. Right, because the D line was getting pressured. Dom played against uh, Daniel Falele, if I butchered his name. My apologies, yeah. but he and he met him again. <laughs> exactly. It's like so they knew. I mean, both of them knew who each other were, and one one of them clearly prepared or, or already knew they were going to win that battle going in. It was Dom. Yeah, no, he, he's been nothing short of impressive. Definitely going to get him on here to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about Jermaine Johnson, another huge name that's been buzzing. You know, coming into the Senior Bowl. You play at Florida State. 
it's not the prettiest of colleges. You know, he started Juco, then he went to Georgia and then he ended up at Florida state. And he's been like the biggest wild card. Like everyone's like, this guy's a freak. He's six, four two sixty, but he plays like he's smaller. Cause he's so fast and he's so darn good at what he does. People are saying that he could creep up into like a top 10 pick mm. just, you know, just based off of how good he is and how impressive he's been these, these last two days. Which says a lot because, like I said, there's so many edge rushing guys here, and they're saying like he's been the top one. And the reps I'm seeing, like he's tearing some of these dudes up. He is just a freak. Is there any other edges guys that you've been, you know, kind of keeping your eyes on this this class? I've been, and again, I'm so everyone knows I'm an Ohio State fan, right? And I I threw this out there for the Big Ten Takeover podcast that I host, but. Tyreek Smith is a guy that at Ohio State that I always thought was underutilized. His teammates always hyped him up when Chase Young left and you know went off to the NFL. People said that Tyreek Smith, he's going to be the next Chase Young. I'm like, okay, let's slow down with that. And he wasn't. I always thought he played a little too heavy. I thought they had too much weight on him. And I heard that he's dropped like 15, 20 pounds, you know, looked a little skinnier. He's a guy that he has that burst off the line of scrimmage, right? He has the tools because you could see it. I always just thought. He played a little too heavy, uh, and he's a guy that I've been looking at. Um, there's a, there's a couple other guys, interior guys that I think um, have a lot of potential too. Devontae Wyatt uh, out of Georgia. I want to see how he does. And it sounds like he's doing pretty well already. Out, I want to see how those guys from Georgia do without Nicobe Dean behind them, right? Without Jordan Davis next to them. How do you do when the monsters are out of their cage? And it's just he's still got a Tyndall behind him. He's he's yeah, looking good too. Yeah, he's exactly, looking rangy. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I, um, he's a guy I've heard is doing well. I'm intrigued by him yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, Wyatt's looked good. Um, I, like I told you, I got to talk to uh, Jamari Sawyer um, mm-hmm. from Georgia today. And same thing. He said they've been working at tackle, guard, center, too. He's like, and then I told him, like, you know, how's it been going against these top competition guys? He's like, man, I went against Wyatt, Jordan Davis every day. Like, this is nothing. <laughs> he said, I know, like, coming into it, there's no one in the league better than those two guys alone. So, like, I'm ready for this. And, like, Phil Darius Mathis, he saw him twice this year. He's seen him again here at the Senior Bowl. Um, but, man, if you need a D-line and you need an edge rush, you need someone that can get to the quarterback. I mean, uh, Ibikite from Penn State, uh, Lucetta from Penn State, they both looked phenomenal. Uh, boy, Mafe's been a huge name mentioned around here. Another quick guy with a great bend. This, you know, you don't have, obviously, um, you know, the Kayvon Thibodeau here some of the top three guys that are probably going to go off um, for the edge class. But these, these guys are improving the draft stock dramatically mm-hmm. here because every single one of these guys, Kingsley from South Carolina, I don't know who it was. It was, I have to re- go back and rewatch it. There was a tight end, literally one of the first drills today. He pushed him back. I'm not even kidding. 25 yards. Yeah. Like all the players are like standing like what? 10 you know, yards behind where all the drills. He just kept going. Like he was pushing him through all the players. I was like, holy like smokes, Kingsley. It's time for him to go home. Literally the Michael Orr <laughs> moment of the day <laughs> was Kingsley. Uh, but it's just been so impressive. And uh I, I, you know, it's crazy being here and like, you know, seeing these players up close, talking to them and watching these practices and stuff like that. But I've been having a blast here. Um, I'm looking forward to doing some more. We're going to talk some running backs, some wide receivers. I'm definitely going to link up with a bunch of guys that are, you know, doing content down here, you know, scouting, draft stuff for their own podcast, own networks. And I'm going to keep this thing going. And, of course, like I said, we got the game on Saturday. Looking forward to it. It's going to be nice and sunny on Saturday. Practice is canceled for, like, the media guys. 
Um, they're like moving it indoor. So I'm sure we're going to be able to like watch it like virtually and stuff, which that's fine with me. I'll sit comfortably in my hotel bed and, uh, and watch it. it. But it is so much fun watching it in person, you know, hearing the pads get at it. Like you said, it's just football, like just ended kind of like we still have the Super Bowl, but like college football's done. You're like, oh, we got to wait. Like, oh, psych, just kidding. Like, mm-hmm. we're right back to live action in person. Um, but is there anything in particular when you watch the game? Uh, on Saturday NFL Network that you're watching for, like I said, it's live action. These quarterbacks, they're going to be in situations. Like I said, they're going to be down. They're going to be in third and long. They're going to have to, you know, be on the fly, change stuff up, you know, run pro style offenses. Is there anything in particular that you're really honing in on on Saturday? It it really applies to any position. Um, I heard it a lot with the linemen, but there's two, but any position really, two things, the poise that they have in moments like these, it's a big moment. It's national television. That's something new for them, but it's a moment where every scout is watching this game. They're all every watching practice, but they're really watching this game. It's a yeah. tough pressure for a lot of those guys. It's the, it's the most pressure they've had in any game that they've ever played in Our, I mean, for a lot of those guys. So poise in that regard. And second, it's going to sound weird. How do they react when good things happen, right? Do the O-linemen celebrate with their running backs or they run off with this one? Do the quarterbacks, when they throw a, a, a bomb touchdown, do they go jump around with wide receivers? Who does that with their team? Like, who's the true football teammate, right? If it's, it's it's the guys that throw the little quick touchdown, they're like, yes, and then they walk off, right? Who is really bought into this whole thing? And you can only do that for a show, so you can only fake that so much. You can tell who's really into it. It was always if, if you, you know, if your running back scored a touchdown, there's no alignment. It doesn't matter if it's the second practice of a two day in camp. You better sprint all the way down the field to celebrate them. You get water afterwards. You're fine. Who does that? Who's a part of this team? Who's a part of part of their teams? Who's really bought into it? I'll say on both sides of the ball, Majai Sanders from Cincinnati. Every practice, you know, after like every rep, he's hyping guys up. If there's a big play, he's the guy that's running on the field screaming. And then today he went down the entire line of all the D linemen, dapped every single one up just after one, just went down the whole line. It's like, let's go, let's keep it. Let's keep at it. Like, let's get better. Let's improve. Let's get this money. Let's, you know, let's get drafted. Like, like just hyping guys up. I love that. And then Malik Willis, people love that man today at a 7 a.m. breakfast. There's like a big pool in the middle where like the players are eating and stuff. And that's where like they're hanging out and sitting there looking through playbooks and stuff, which I think is awesome. I love seeing the players study the playbook literally at 7 a.m. while eating a muffin. Um, but literally there's like 10 guys in a row just come up to Malik, dab him up. Like, yo, what's up, man? Like it's another day. Like people are just so attracted to him as a, a player, as a leader, as a person. And I was like, man, I was telling uh, Steffi Smalls, a girl I met up with here. A lot of people know her on Twitter and stuff. I was like, man, people just love Malik. Like, I was just smiling. I was like, literally, it's a breakfast, and these guys are hyped to see him. <laughs> like, I, there's just the kind of things I love. Like you said, just the hustle, celebrating every single play, and you yeah. see that. And uh, they they talk about it as like a brotherhood. Everyone's here to compete against each other, but it's not a competition. They're here to get better. They're here to help each other get better, and they're all going for the same goal. So it's been a blast. But like I said, I'm gonna keep uh, up with practice, and then, of course, we got the game Saturday, so I'm hyped to see that. But guys, go follow Takeover uh, Sports Network on Twitter at Takeover Pods, and of course the uh, Twitter for my show, the Draft Takeover Podcast, and subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss out on the SC Takeover with Blaine Gilmer, No Sean Marino, Javaris King, and then of course Donovan has Big Ten podcasts kicking out. So for all you weirdos that vote for uh, <laughs> Michigan or Ohio State, are you up up northers? Which there's a ton, by the way, down here. Everyone I talk to is from like Michigan, Ohio, New Jersey, New York. It's wild. We come in full force. 
yeah, but we have got a lot of other things. Uh, so stay in the loop on that. Cause there's a lot of big news, big shows that are getting released. So guys, it's been a pleasure talking senior bowl on the first episode of the takeover draft podcast, but I'm Josh Taylor and I will see y'all shortly for another episode on senior bowl. Peace.